Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we're at. Tonight we're going to continue in our study on the gift of prophecy. And I'm going to make a few statements here uh, that will make sense to you, I believe, as we continue to move forward. But I feel like we have sufficiently emphasized the importance of prophecy being grounded in the reality of Christ and for the purpose of edification, exhortation, and comfort above predicting the future. Amen. All right. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been hard on the predicting the future side. Have you noticed that? It's intentional. Okay, I heard this years ago and I've applied it as I've tried to apply it in everything ministry wise. And in the longer you preach, the longer you minister, the more you do the thing that you're called to do, the better you get at it. It's just the, the nature of it. Um, when I first started working for Terry, I'd drip mud all over myself. I mean, I could not figure out. I'd watch Mike coat a stick of metal. And some of you have tried to do it by watching somebody on YouTube and it didn't work for you. You were just frustrated. We know because we got the calls later. But then I'd watch Mike do it, and he'd just take the knife and just slick that thing down. I'm like, what? And this is when I first started, you know. Then I don't know that I ever got as good as he did, but I figured out some techniques the longer I did it over and over. And it's the same with teaching, but it's the same with the gifts of the Spirit. It's the same in your own life. If you want multiplication and maturity in your Christian life, you've got to develop in that, which means you've got to do it. Amen? You know, have you noticed this? In your yard, the weeds don't go away because you wish them away. You've got to get out there and get your, your, your spade or whatever you're using, or if you're a chemical warfare guy or gal, you get your poison, and you go after those things, and you have to get after it. And you ha- how many notice you have to maintain that? Okay, so the Scripture clearly teaches us don't be weary in well-doing. Well... How many have ever felt weary in your faith walk? Okay, well, that's the very time that you get to kind of stir yourself up and go, you know what, I'm not going to allow weary to take me over. Weary, you're not allowed here. The Lord told me I couldn't be weary. Lord, you said the joy of the Lord is my strength. So I'm going to go ahead and stir myself up right now on your strength. Now, that doesn't mean you should try and work 24 hours a day. You need to go ahead and sleep and rest your body and all of that stuff. Because I've found in my own life, usually when that's taking place, other things are creeping in like worry and I'm not sleeping enough or I'm not getting enough rest like I should. Now, it is the answer isn't always just, you know, 35 naps a day. (laughs) But you need to be aware of yourself and who you are and how you're doing spiritually and how you're doing emotionally and why you are the way you are. But if you want multiplication of things, it just flat takes effort. It does. And the Lord will help you get a pace for you that's perfect in conjunction with feeding on the word and the spirit and developing spiritually to where you'll be able to walk consistently with your God and see victory after victory after victory after victory. Amen. How many have proved the word in one or two areas in your life over the years? And it worked just fine in those areas, areas, it'll work again. The word never stops working. It always works, 24-7. It's on, on. It's on, on. It's always on, okay? God never, the lights, uh, I've said this before, but the lights never dim in heaven when prayer is, is offered up. If everybody put a demand on 1 Peter 2.24 on the planet, 
At one time, God wouldn't go, oh no, boys, crank the power up. Everybody's praying in faith. There's sufficient power for any attack, in fact, more than enough, any attack of the enemy. In every area, there's a promise, there's a victory available in power and willingness on the Lord's part for our behalf. Amen? And so we have to stir ourselves up on that and keep that in mind. And so intentionally, I've rested heavy on putting prophecy back to the scripture and back to uh, exhortation, edification, and comfort, and coming from a, from a place of focus on of the resurrection of Christ and what he accomplished. I've done this on purpose. Do you want to know why? I, I actually didn't know why at first. I didn't, I couldn't, I was like, Lord, why, why are you, why is this so impressed on me? I almost felt like a, like I was intentionally trying to shut off the predictive or the future side of it. And he said the reason why is because there's so much prophecy right now. And the prophetic was so and is so strong, but was so strong through the pandemic. I didn't say pandemic. I said pandemic on purpose. Okay? That's the reason why. And, and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why, why are you... Why is this? Because whenever you have a, an uptick in any truth, and there's truth and reality about prophecy, and even the future side of it in Scripture, we know this. Whenever you have that, you always have muddy waters somewhere. And the answer to muddy waters isn't more prayer. Especially when it comes to doctrine. We don't produce doctrine out of prayer. We produce doctrine out of the Scripture. Amen? So when it comes to prophecy, is there a future portion? Is there a, not a predictive, but a knowing of the future? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I hit it last week. I even shared with you about the dream that I had about me preaching. And the dream that I had about the divorce of that couple. Those are predicted. Those are future things. There's no way I could have known those things. It doesn't make me a prophet. But it's a form of the prophetic. And when that comes, what takes place is, is then you know something out in the future. And it gives you a marker, a sign on the path. So as you're trucking down your faith path, you just like you're trucking down the road to North Dakota sometimes or Minnesota or Wyoming or wherever you live or wherever you visit. When you're trucking down the road, there are signs along the way. There's not a sign every mile. But every so often... You're 300 miles from Billings. You're 250 miles from Billings. And if you don't see a sign every so often about where you're headed, you go, oh, am I on the right path? <laughs> right? How many have ever took the wrong exit? Yeah. That's the truth. So I, I've been heavy on that side on, perfect, on purpose. So I want to look at the other side of it. But first I want to, before we get into that, I want to read out of Brother Hagin's book on that side of, of uh, prophecy as far as edification, exhortation, and comfort. And I want you to see something. So this book was, uh, let's see, where's the copyright on this? So this is the eighth printing in 1995 from this book. Any know anybody know what year this is? Huh, nobody, huh? I'm talking about the year you're in right now. 
Are you awake? <laughs> it is 2022, and I am still working on my forgiveness about my sixth grade teacher who said we'd have hovercrafts by now on a daily basis. It's, it's really disappointing to me. <laughs> I was promised a lot of things by 2022 that are not here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was in 1995. See if you recognize anything. Now, this was written, again, like I said, this, is the eighth, this was the eighth printing of this book. See, so which means it was probably written in the 70s, maybe even earlier. Okay? So see if you recognize anything going on today that was going on when this book was written. I'll just tell you this. Brother Hagin used to say this to us. He said about every six years, certain doctrines will crop back up. About every 10 to 20 years. He even talked about Jewish diets going through the church. Every, about every 10 to 20 years, the next Jewish diet comes through. And you have to eat this way in order to da 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 He said, just ignore it. Believe God. Eat balanced and believe God. You'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, eat steaks. <laughs> so he says this, he says, God has several ways of showing his children his will for their lives. He speaks through the written word, and that's the primary, primary way, the Bible. He speaks through the preached word as ministers preach the Bible. He guides through controlling circumstances. He guides through the Holy Spirit within. He speaks through the gift of prophecy at times. This is an area in which great care must be exercised. However, as some have fallen into error here. We must be careful to follow scriptural guidelines. When God spoke to Paul through the prophet Agabus, as quoted in the scriptures above, the Spirit only told Paul what was going to happen. It was then up to Paul to choose whether or not to go. There has been a trend in recent years, keep in mind when this was written, for denominational Christians who have been filled with the Holy Spirit to gather in one another's homes for prayer meetings. One woman who regularly attended such meetings came to me confused, saying, in, their, in, your, in our prayer meetings, the people spend hours laying hands on one another and praying and prophesying to one another. Maybe it's all right, but it seems to me that all the prophesying is concerning something bad. One time they prophesied that my mother was going to die, but she hasn't died yet. She isn't even sick. It seems as if I always get a bad prophecy. It disturbs me. Often such meetings degenerate into little more than fortune-telling, which is apart from the Spirit of God entirely. The gifts of the Spirit are not to be played with like children's toys. They are to be reverenced. They are to be brought into the open where they can be judged. Isn't that interesting? God didn't, God didn't set prophecy or prophets in Sister Joan's kitchen. He set them in the church. That does not mean that it would not be all right to prophesy in your kitchen or living room. But it means that we should prophesy primarily in church where all can judge the prophecies. I know people who have entered into marriages because someone prophesied they should marry a certain individual. Then life became, a, became miserable for both of them. The Bible lays down certain, certain rules concerning marriage. We should look at God's word and ask him for guidance along these lines. The gift of prophecy is not to be used to introduce new doctrine. The Bible is our source of doctrine. 
We should beware of so-called prophets who come with their new doctrines. Their, and he quotes this, deeper truth and new light. I have heard this today. Or something else. Usually, and he didn't say always, and, it, and, and don't think, because you've you got to listen carefully, because if you hear certain things and it triggers things in you, you'll shut off the rest of what I'm saying. So listen carefully. He didn't say you couldn't pray in your house, and he didn't say you couldn't prophesy in your house. What he's going to get to is what is true prophecy. Okay? So he says this. He said, you need to beware of so-called prophets who do this or something else. Now, I just want to say this. Brother Hagin stood in the office of a prophet. In fact, he functioned in it for years and years and years and years until he was, in, he was 87 years old when he went home to be with the Lord. And he was known around the world. And the Lord exalted him and gave him place around the world to where 60 million copies, I think it is, of his books at the time were printed and around the world. I wonder if the Lord trusted him. That's quite an influence. So I will say this. How many know who Hank Kuhneman is? Influenced by Brother Hagin. How about Robin Bullock? Loves Brother Hagin. So I'm just telling you, what I'm saying to you is you, you need to be aware of where certain, these, these particular men of God, whether they are or aren't, you need to see where they're coming from and where they're headed to. But then always take everything back to the word of God. Amen? So he goes on to say this. He said, usually these people who are supposed to get some new revelation that no one else has do much damage to the cause of Christ. Prophecy is primarily speaking unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. The Spirit of God is not going to give something that would divide the church. That is not the spirit of love. Often these people become filled with pride. Some have told me they are right and everyone else is wrong. They have said, unless you believe as I do, you're, not going, you're going to be lost. When asked to give scripture for their new revelation, they have replied, you have to have the, you have to have the revelation. This is beyond the Bible. Well, that's just out beyond where I want to go. So just head on out and I'll see you later. You, you have to have that attitude about some of these things. You have to be careful. A minister who at one time was very sound said, I don't need that book anymore. I'm beyond it. Then he threw the Bible on the floor saying, I have the Holy Spirit. No, you don't. The Holy Spirit, why would the Holy Spirit lead away from the book he wrote? Different spirit. He said, I am a prophet. Now, Brother Higgins is not speaking from, happen this happened to him. In fact, I know who the minister was. I'm not going to say his name, but it was years ago during the healing revival and during that time. I didn't know him, but I, Brother Hagin shared about these things and, you know, he shared some of the stuff and, and the names and different things of, of what was going on. God sends me to instruction, my instructions direct. That's what the man said. It was not long until he was prophesying that people should each give him $100. Now, that doesn't sound like much now, but in the 70s and the, or in the 50s even. I mean, they were coming out of depression days. They weren't far out. We, they didn't have the affluence that we do today. You realize that. 
And so this preacher was going around saying, let's say, if the Lord give me your $100. Now people say, oh, no, that doesn't happen. Oh, yes, it does. I know people that pay for prophecies today. I know ministers that have gone places and you couldn't get a word unless you gave them 25 bucks. That's wrong. Now to give an offering is one thing. But to, to prophesy money out of someone's pocket into your own, that's just Balaam. That's what that is. The gift of prophe- prophecy, uh, uh, he said this. He said he was getting his instructions direct, but direct from where? The gift of prophecy is not to settle arguments. The 12th chapter of Luke records that some people wanted Jesus to settle an argument, but Jesus refused to do so. Arguments should be settled according to the word of God and between the two people. The gift of prophecy is not merely is not to be not to be used merely to satisfy curiosity. It is not it's not the gift of suspicion and curiosity. That's not what it is. That's not what it's for. That's not reverencing the gift. It is not to be used as a gimmick. There's a vast difference between the gift of prophecy and the prying into the future by fortune tellers, sorcerers, astrologers, etc. And these things are counterfeit to the true gift of prophecy. A true message of prophecy will edify, exhort, and comfort people, helping them to be better Christians. Some of these mystics and psychic mediums even will predict which horse is going to win which race or even which candidate is going to win a political race. I knew that would go over real big. And I said it on purpose. I'm not saying they prophesied wrong. I'm saying if you just swallowed it without checking it, you're wrong. I'm wrong. Amen. Or owe me, whichever you need. (laughs) Either one, I'm okay with. In other words, I don't care if it's me. I don't care if it's somebody you really trust. I don't care if it's the most famous office minister on the planet and they're trusted. Like I said before, we have to check everything against the word of God. And everything against the spirit of God within us. I know people that I have been around in in situations. I've even got into it myself. Because you you can get over into the soul realm or into the flesh realm. And you can begin to try to use the things of God to to manipulate things in the direction you want it to go. And you can't do that. I mean, years ago, I've watched it happen. Do you know that even in Christianity, in church services, different things like that, um, there are ways to rile people up emotionally with music and everything else and take up big offerings? And people say, that happens? Yeah. I watched it. I was in a, I was in a youth retreat one time, and the, the minister brought up garbage cans. In the front. And they, they, I mean, they emotionally worked those kids up. I was buying kids lunches <laughs> out of the church fund because they gave all their money in that, in that offering that they had budgeted for their lunch for the weekend.
it happens. Are we going to enjoy this other side? or <laughs> We'll get to a good spot, trust me. How many want to be balanced? How many want balance more than you want it to be just the way you thought it was? See, that's what I want. I want truth for me. I don't want to... How many of you have ever tried to really... You, you've been working at an area of your life or, or working on the promises of God in an area and you really saw kind of a... Just a one kind of main vein of gold in that area, but you didn't study the other scriptures around it? And then later on, you, you open up the word even more and more and more and you go, oh, ho, ho. And we've all done this, where you're imbalanced kind of in an area in your thinking. And over time, that's where multiplication needs to come in, in maturity, because over time you learn more, learn more, learn more, learn more, and as you do, it brings balance to your life. And where there's balance, there's stability. Where there's stability, there's true faith. Where there's true faith and stability and your life is on the bedrock of the Word of God, as much as you know, uh, uh, working around that whole mountain of that truth, looking at all angles of it, when you have that, it doesn't matter what goes on around you, you're stable. And that's what's important in these things. Now, I'm going to, don't, don't think Brother Hagin was saying you couldn't, it wasn't possible to prophesy who was going to win a political race, okay? Because he's going he's gonna to balance it here, all right? But that is a thought that we must consider. It is, okay, so I'll put it to you like this. This is something that I did through the kind of the pandemic thing. Plandemic. I got to keep calling it the right thing. <laughs> right? I got to keep calling it the right thing, okay? <clears throat> and, and that's, you know, people say, it's the end times. Yeah, it's been. It's just gonna, those things are going to multiply. So let me, let me say this. Even with the, the news media that we listen to, Okay, if you're into news media, you do realize that those on the right or the left, either one, they're both coming from a view. And you do realize this, that um, those that are, I, I, re I recognize this because through that, I was trying to find truth in what was going on. And you're digging through all these things. But I found myself almost because I was so focused in hearing news that wasn't fake news, which is right. He, the, President Trump wasn't wrong on that, okay? I, I found myself going over into the right side of things, but then there were things on the right side. I'm like, what? And, and I would get into these different groups, or somebody would say, you should check out this one or this one or this one. And so I'd check them out, and these guys were former military and all these things, and they'd make these predictions and set these times and dates, and none of them happened. So after a while, you know what I do? Click. Why? Because nothing was happening. I turn it off. Do you know we're not supposed to know the deep state better than we know this? Right here? <laughs> well, the deep state's real. Uh-huh. But it ain't deeper than this. <laughs> right? Let me ask you a question, and I, and I, need to, I need to hit this because, and I know sometimes it's not very popular, but I want you to think. I don't, I don't want you to come here and go, Sean just preaches everything we just want to hear. Ooh, and we feel so good when we leave. 
I'd rather have you spiritually stable than emotionally squishy. <clears throat> You'll know if the Holy Spirit's on this or not. But he is. I believe he is. The spiritual substance. You notice Jesus didn't go around trying to figure out all the things that Rome was doing illegally. And neither did the disciples. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for our nation. I'm not saying we shouldn't stand up for freedom. I'm not saying any of that. We should. But where's our first? Jesus didn't say go into all the world and make sure the government stays right. Did he? He said to go into all the world and what? Preach the gospel. That doesn't mean we don't call out the government. Because, and you say, well, what do you mean then? We should call on them, call them out on what they're doing and call them to repent. And stand up for where we are and what we believe. But have you noticed this? You're not going to create a, you, uh, a Garden of Eden here on earth through the U.S. government. It's not going to happen. One thing will return this to where it was. Anybody got a trumpet? <laughs> That's what we need. But until then, what do we do? We function and stand in who we are in Christ, walking as lights in a dark world, believing God that he's doing what he would say, what he said and promised not only in our own lives, but in a corporate sense. Not fearing what man can do to us, but standing on the truth, knowing who's got our back. Amen? So we just have to be careful that we don't place these things above so you, you're, you're probably asking the question, okay, well, if, if prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort, and there are people prophesying about what's going to take place in the future, and they're prophesying concerning the government and government leaders and world leaders and all these things, why is God raising those voices up for everybody to hear? Let me explain why. So that those that are in authority will hear and repent. In other words, that will, the prophetic will what? Turn the people back to Christ. That is the purpose of the prophetic. The, the purpose of the prophetic and, and what's going on and even the prophecies concerning judgment and all of those things isn't so we can sit back and go, ha, 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 you have vengeance on you. It isn't so we can feel more comfortable when the enemy is taken, when those evil people are taken out of the way. It's, it's, it, there's a legal reality going on in the spirit. There is a, there is a, there's a balance in the spirit between where grace has been extended, where if it's rejected, the other side of it is damnation. And so there's, there's, there's a thing taking place where like James said about rich people, weep and lament over your riches for the Lord, what he sees, the wages you've robbed. Now, why call that out prophetically? 
to those that are above or, or, or those type of things. It isn't, the purpose is not so that we can go, ooh, we know what the future is. Ooh, we know the secrets of your heart. Jesus didn't gloat knowing the secrets of the Pharisees' hearts. He used it in a loving way with truth to reveal to them what was inside of them so that they could believe on him. Guys, we don't just want George Soros to die. I'll put it to you another way just to make it go deeper. We don't just want George Soros to, to, uh, uh, to, to pass away so he's out of our lives. I'll put it to you this way. God does not just want George Soros to die and go to hell. But if, you, if we don't birth the prophetic from an understanding of the resurrection, then what happens? We start functioning in spiritual truths from the perspective of this, our natural thinking and the world system rather than the motivation of the resurrection. And if the motivation of the resurrection is not found deep within the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit will not manifest at the level that God desires them to. Amen? Remember that the Bible forbids our having anything to do with sorcerers, fortune tellers, psychic mediums, and the like. The Spirit of God can tell us things if He wishes, including who will win a presidency. Amen? Okay? The Spirit of God can tell us those things if He wishes to. The important thing that Brother Hagin is trying to bring out is, is what is the source? Why are things happening the way they're happening? Check the source of what it is. Is it the motivation of the Spirit of God? If we don't, we had better stay away from any of it until we do. He said this, the Spirit of God can tell us things if He wishes, but we need to know the difference between the true and the false. If we don't, we had better stay away from any of it until we do. So don't attempt to go into the prophetic if you don't understand the true and the false. Know God first, and then from that place, allow the Spirit of God to lead you into the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? That's how we are to live and operate. How can we tell the difference between an operation of the Spirit of God and an extrasensory manifestation? That which is of God centers around Christ. It is not something to be used to prove that I have something or that I am somebody. Saul once had the Spirit of God, but when he got away from God, an evil spirit came to him. There are people today who once were used of God, but later they began operating under evil spirits. A certain minister I know was at one time used of God in the word of knowledge and revelation gifts. He was visiting a church where I was preaching, and the pastor asked him to say a few words. While he was speaking, the Spirit of God said to me, he has a familiar spirit. (laughs) Wouldn't that be great? The minister said, you think I am not a prophet of God? Why, your name is so-and-so, and he called a person's name. He said, he said, your address is such-and-such, and he called the person's address. You are so many years old, so he knew their age, and in your billfold you have so many dollars. Isn't that so? The person said it was so. One man had a valuable diamond ring at home. The minister said to him, you have a valuable diamond ring at home in such and such a drawer. God said you are to give it to me. God said you're to give it to me. The man knew that it was supernatural. But that doesn't make it God. The man knew that it was supernatural. 
It had to be God, he thought. So he got the ring and gave it to the minister. Charlatans lined their pockets this way. But that was not God's power and demonstration. It was a familiar spirit. Familiar spirits are familiar with you. They know about you and they tell people things about you. How many know there's more spirits out there than the Spirit of God? By the same token, the Spirit of God could do the same thing through the word of knowledge if he saw fit to do so. But it would not, just, it would be, it would not be just a public display for mere curiosity. It would be for edification not to attract attention to a man, to cause people to think he is someone great, to line his pockets with money, or to put diamonds or watches in his hand. The gift of prophecy is real, it is good, it is right, and it can be used for good. Amen? So let's, let's talk about, a little bit tonight, let's talk about the, 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 the future side of prophecy. Go to Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Acts chapter 13, verse number 1. This has to do with uh, speaking something that is future, that hasn't happened yet in full, but yet it's a marker for uh, the future, and, and it is a marker that's used in prophetic, the prophetic. It's edifying. It's exhorting. Acts chapter 13, verse number 1 says this. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, and they go on down the line to Saul. Verse 2 says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. This is a prophetic word concerning the ministry that they were called to. But it does not give a lot of detail. Mostly what I see here is confirmation for a new phase in ministry and confirmation on timing to step into that ministry. The Holy Spirit is the one who will minister the details of ministry to Paul and Barnabas on a personal fellowship level. So what is God saying? He's saying, Paul, Barnabas, what you see is right, and now it's in front of you. And these men are confirming what they see, what you saw in the Spirit by my Spirit, and telling you it's time to move that direction. So it has to do with what? Future things. Now it also has to do with current things. Or even things that God had been dealing with Paul and Barnabas about, maybe even years prior to this moment. Brother Hagin used to say this to us all the time. He'd say this, and I found it to be true. He said, the Lord will give you a word or give you a vision, maybe even about what you're called to. He said, the hardest part that you're going to find that you're going to have to deal with is when. He said, it'll be easy to figure out what. I mean, in a general sense. But the timing issue is usually the issue. Acts chapter 20, verse number 22 through 24. And we looked at this last week. It says this, and see, now I go bound, Paul said this, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Now notice he says, not knowing the things that will happen to me. And then he says what? Except that the Holy Spirit, what? Testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So what does he say there? He says, look, I don't know every detail, but the Holy Spirit is what? Pointing what's going to happen out here in the future. 
But did the Holy Spirit say, thus saith the Lord, you're going to go to this place, and you're going to meet this person, and then you're going to do this, and then you're going to do that, and then day two, you're going to do this, and then day three, you're going to do this, and then day four, but yet there are people who treat the office of the prophet and the prophetic gift like they should have just like this ticker tape of everything that they're going to do. Let me ask you a question. How does that require faith? Not to mention, God is not interested in you having a personal relationship with him through an office. He made it so you could go right to him. Amen? And I will say this, the closer you get to him, the more, the easier you'll operate in the other gifts. The Holy Spirit gives on your own ministering to others. He goes on to say this, Acts chapter 21 verse 4. Acts chapter 21 verse 4 says this, And finding disciples, we stayed there seven days. They told Paul through the Spirit not to go up to Jerusalem. Now, I actually do not believe this is prophecy. Now, people differ on this. Some people think Paul missed it when he went to Jerusalem. Some people think he hit it. I think he hit it. I, uh, I use uh, some of Bobby Andean's stuff in studying, and he thinks Paul missed it altogether. In fact, he believes that the book of Philippians is Paul's letter of repentance concerning him missing it. Now, whether you believe he missed it or not doesn't really matter. But I will say this. This says, by the Spirit, they told this to Paul, okay? But I believe this is not prophecy. This is people who have heard what is going to happen to Paul, and they do not want him to get hurt because they love him so much. This is someone who is sharing their own heart and not what the Spirit of God is telling Paul. Okay? Now this would be, I believe, this is an example of people who are spirit-filled believers who are attempting to function in the leading of the Holy Spirit in prophecy. But I believe the motivation is selfish. It's more about what, what they would like to see rather than what's going to happen. Now God wasn't telling the Lord, I'm sending you to Jerusalem, Paul, because I want to beat the snot out of you. Okay, it, that's not what he was saying. What he was saying was this is coming, which this in the future is coming. So prepare your heart for what's about to take place. In other words, this is a word that is doing what? Edifying, exhorting, and what? Comforting. It's doing all those things. It's a word that's coming forth that's giving him forewarning. You know, have you ever looked at the prophecies that are in the New Testament? I'm talking about outside the Gospels, through Acts, starting in Acts, and most all of them are in Acts, and then go through. Have you ever looked at the prophecies? Have you ever noticed that none, none of them are, thus saith the Lord, thou art about to get a new boat, and it's going to be a real blessing to you. And gold rings and watches. Have you ever noticed that? Come on, faith people. Think with me now. People are like, I don't want to read that. Well, then close your eyes when you're going through certain portions of the Bible and just skim over it. Just pretend you're brailing. Just, you know. <laughs> well, that doesn't seem very comforting. It'd be more comforting if the Lord just made the problems go away. Except that'd be counter to what Jesus prophesied. He said, in this life, you'll have a lot of blessings. Don't worry about it. It's a flowery bed of ease. I've got you covered. I've overcome the world. Just go ahead and take lots of naps. I'm just going to rain money down on you. In fact, I'm just going to shove it into your accounts. I just desire that you live in the lap of luxury all day doing nothing, but, but satisfying your carnal desires. 
too much. <laughs> Acts chapter 21, verse 8. Here's real prophecy. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the evangelist, was one, who was one of the seven, remember him, and, who stayed, and we stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. You know, it's interesting. They mention that, but they, they never mention that they prophesied. Verse 10 says, And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet. Now, in the King James Version, it says girdle, but nobody knows what that is anyway. So they had to change it to belt, because that sounded too weird. He took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit. This is a different level than what the others were saying earlier in the chapter. This is a different word. This is the office of a prophet about to speak something. Now watch what he says. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And that's the end of the prophecy. Agabus didn't say, don't go, Paul. He didn't say, now here's the rest of what you're going to do, Paul. He gave a general word. This is the same Agabus that stood up earlier and prophesied about what? The famine that was going to take place, right? So this man is a man of God. He's known as a prophet. But he didn't give Paul all the details of what he was supposed to do. He didn't write a litany list of things to do for Paul to follow. He didn't do any of that. He just said, this is what's going to take place. The gift of prophecy is not designed to separate or to replace your intimacy with the Lord and, your de- and the Lord's desire for maturity in your life between you and him. And people say, well, I just want somebody to give me a word. And the Lord is saying, I just want you to spend time with me and I'll get you your word. And you'll have a lot more confidence as you hear from the Lord and do what you're supposed to. And then as others come along and confirm what you have, rather than you looking to them to give you the vision of what you're supposed to do. When you're real young in the Lord, it's fine to start out that way as far as the Lord's helping you. You're a baby in the Lord. But the longer you you and I walk with the Lord, we have to take time to spend with him. Well, I wish the problem would just go away. That's not how problems go away. Problems don't go away by wishing. Have you ever noticed that when people try to relax, really what they're trying to do is kind of escape their, the spiritual responsibility they have and hope the problem disappears? That's not how it disappears. It disappears when we fellowship with the Lord, stand up in the authority that we have, and begin to declare the word of God over that situation through the leading of the Holy Spirit individually. And as we're walking down this path and headed down this path, and we're walking with him day by day by day by day, each day waking up going, Lord, thank you that I'm strong in you today. Thank you that I have your anointing today. Thank you that I'm fellowshipping with you today. Thank you that you're leading in me and guiding me by your spirit. I'm your child. You're my very own father. You love me more than I know. 
You love me more than I love myself. Your desire and your provision for me is already settled. So as I walk through this day and walk through these years and walk through this time, I know that you're leading and guiding me along the way, correcting me, directing me, giving me the proper instruction on the decisions, the words, the things that I'm supposed to do. And as I follow you, victory will manifest in this natural world. That's what faith does. And then as you're going along, it's not wrong to feel discouraged. It's not wrong to think, oh, something is coming against me and I need help. That's not the issue. But as you're fellowshipping with the Lord and seeking Him, not seeking out the office of the prophet, as you're seeking Him and following Him, He'll go, listen to this person. Or He'll have somebody come across your path just like an Agabus saying, look, it's going to get rough, Paul, but hold. Hold to the Lord. You're going to make it through. You're going to overcome. I'm with you. And the devil, on the other hand, is going to be going, you know so-and-so, and they didn't make it through. And you say, shut up, devil. We're not talking about so-and-so. They're in heaven anyway. You lost that battle. But I have my eyes on the Lord, and I, and I love what Keith Moore says. He said this, as long as I draw a breath and the world turns, I'm going to believe God. <laughs> Till the very end. I have seen many times when people get heavy into predictive prophecy or get too heavy into predictive prophecy that they will often resource Old Testament prophecies or certain things Jesus did in prophecy with his disciples. In other words, they use that as a model to try and apply it under new covenant. But we must remember that the prophets and Jesus were operating under the Old Testament. Jesus could not tell his disciples to be led by the Holy Spirit. So when you're reading the Gospels and you see where Jesus said, go to this place, there's going to be a donkey tied there, and you're going to see a guy with a pitcher of water, and da 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 How many have ever seen, read that before? You read that in the Gospels. The reason why Jesus gave that was, one, he was obviously standing in all five office gifts, and it was a demonstration of prophetic, but why did he tell the disciples that? He couldn't say, be led, boys. They weren't born again, and they weren't spirit-filled you got to remember that in some of these things because there's two covenants working. Jesus could not tell his disciples to be led by the Holy Spirit because he was not given yet. This leads me to the next scripture in Romans 8, 14, and we'll end here. For as many as are led by the what? Spirit of God. These are the what? Sons of God. Never blindly follow a prophetic word someone gives you without judging that word in prayer and against the word of God. Never do it. People say, well, it seems right. Okay, take it back to prayer. Well, it seems good. It'll get stronger if it's the Lord. Amen? And, and people say, well, well, I'll just put it to you like this. Some bad prophecy isn't always thus saith the Lord. Some of it is, you know, I really feel like you and I could have a good team working together. It can be simple things. Make sure to take time and wait on the Lord before you do anything. There have been many heartaches because people received a prophecy that was not from the Lord and they followed it without judging it and taking time on their own in prayer. Remember, the gifts of the Spirit are not a substitute for your own prayer life or spiritual maturity. 
Of course the Holy Spirit could speak to us and will speak to us through the office of a prophet and through another believer by the gifts of the Spirit. But again, we should always go back to our own prayer closet and seek God moving only from a confidence or knowing in our own hearts. Heart faith is not trying something and hoping it works. Heart faith, true confidence, is not trying something and wishing it will turn out. Faith is knowing. Faith is like a a stake that is rammed down deep into the ground of your heart and it cannot be moved. That's what faith is. It's confidence, knowing. And people want, have you noticed that people want a shortcut? That we live in the fast food generation. If it's not to us in, you know, in, in, in uh, just a short amount of time, we're upset. You know, this morning when I was going through the uh, coffee drive through I noticed a lot of other people were too. They must have been feeling the negative degrees. But in that, and it took a long time to get through. And you know what the desire of my flesh is? I got places to go. Am I the only one? And the spiritual things are the same way. People say, well, I don't, I don't have the time that you're saying to take to, to seek God and to do what I need to do. Then you'll miss it. If I don't take the time, I'll miss it. How many have noticed in this world, in this life, there's a whole lot more miss it voices than there is hit it. It takes reverence and time with God. See, and you say, well, did you have to come so strong on this one? I think so. I felt like it was good. I mean, I wasn't trying to be carnal or mean. That wasn't my intent. If that came across, I apologize. That's not my intent. But I do want to hit this truth so stout that we don't, inadvertently or carelessly miss the fullness of what God wants to do because we didn't really honestly look at where and what we're looking at and what's going on. Personally, and I'm talking about corporately, in the body of Christ, period. I'm not saying I know more than Kenneth Copeland, Brother Hagen, uh, Hank Kuhneman, any prophet you like. I'm not saying I know more than them. I don't know. I don't know what they know. I don't know them personally. What I am saying is, is the word of God's pretty clear about what's right and wrong. And we individually have to take on. It is a mandate from God that we personally judge and judge ourselves and what we're hearing and Relate and fellowship with him to hear the right thing. It's a mandate from God. It's a mandate. The the Lord Jesus didn't shed his blood for the offices to get to him only. Apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. He didn't do that. He did it so everybody can get to him personally. Amen? 
thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.